Welcome back to another episode of the Academy of Conspiracy, brought to you by Film Cinema, cinema for everyone. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. Season 4, episode 4, I am on the couch by myself. Um, Not going to have Jacob for this episode, but that is not going to slow me down. So... Uh, season three, maybe season two. Um, well, first off, Jacob, um, his work schedule and my work schedule, kind of when we can record, kind of has caused a little bit of conflict. But uh, he'll be back for episode five and episode six for this season, and then we'll start season uh, five here in about a month. So he will be back. Um, and for episode five and episode six, I'm gonna try and push more historical, like way back kind of thing. I was thinking maybe. A civil war possible uh, conspiracy, maybe in episode five, but we'll see what happens. Um, but right now, one of my favorite episodes that of the AOC that I've ever recorded was the 2002 Western Conference Finals, uh, the sports conspiracy. Aaron and I recorded that. So as I'm pondering ideas, trying to figure out, you know, do I want to talk about the Chicago Black Sox? Do I want to talk about the San Antonio Spurs and Miami Heat, the conspiracy that the Spurs uh AC unit accidentally went out. Well, it was when Miami was making a run and LeBron cramps. Do I want to talk about that conspiracy? Do I want to talk about, you know, just the Houston Astros cheating conspiracy? Do I want to talk about anything like that? I couldn't really nail it down to one. So I figured, why not do a 30 to 40 minute episode of just a bunch of the best sports conspiracies that I could find? And we'll go over every single one is like really, really Real quick, maybe five minutes on each. Do I think it's a? Is it definitely true? Is it false? Or is it cons- is it a conspiracy? We don't know. Like, is it you know right in the middle? So, I have two websites: thecauldron.com, as well as businessinsider.com. And I'm going to read these pretty much verbatim. So the on the uh, thecauldron.com, it is the top. The eight biggest sports conspiracy theories. And number eight on this list is game six of the 2002 NBA Western Conference Finals, the episode that Aaron and I did together. Uh, the, the theory says verbatim from thecauldron.com. With the Sacramento Kings leading the Lakers three games to two in the Western Conference Finals, David Stern ordered the officiating crew to take every possible measure to ensure that the Lakers won. Why it might be true. The Kings are a small market. The Lakers are one of the NBA's premier franchises. The Kings in the finals means low ratings. The Lakers in the finals means big ratings. And as for Game 6 specifically, anyone who saw the contest, even the Lakers homers, would admit that the officiating down the stretch was incredibly biased in favor of Los Angeles. Additionally, former NBA official Tim Donahue has claimed that he was told by an official who worked Game 6 that it was rigged. Why it might be false says, tough one. You know, in all fairness to David Stern and the NBA, this doesn't even belong in a list of conspiracy theories because it's not just some theory. It's definitely true. So, yeah, that theory is true. Um, number seven on this list is, just wanted to say real fast, on this list, sports, you, I mean, sports you couldn't even think of having conspiracies. Um, of course, baseball is going to be on there. Of course, the NFL. Of course, the NBA. I've got a rugby topic. I've got yeah, Aaron. Aaron's off camera. He's my Jamie today. I've got a rugby topic. I've got an NHL conspiracy, um, World Series conspiracy, just different things like that. Um, here's here's a uh, here's a hockey one. Janet Jones. 
gambling patsy. The theory, Phoenix Coyotes, hockey team, assistant Rick Toshe ran a large nationwide sports gambling ring, and Janet Jones, the wife of Wayne Gretzky, who was Phoenix's head coach at the time, was implicated as a major client. But Gretzky was not. Jones took the fall for her husband. Why it might be true. It's hard to believe that Toshe was running a gambling ring as a side job and taking huge bets from his boss's wife, and that Gretzky knew nothing about any of it. It also makes sense that Jones would take, would take the fall because her husband's image is more important to their long-time financial well-being. Why it might be false. Wives try to keep things quiet from their husbands all the time. Just ask Kyle Ripken's wife, theoretically. So, basically, um, an assistant for Wayne Gretzky ran, for Wayne Gretzky's team that he coached, the Phoenix Coyotes, ran, not Wayne Gretzky, the assistant ran a illegal gambling ring. And Janet Jones, um, his Gretzky's wife, took the fall saying that she had been gambling because apparently Wayne Gretzky was was one of his biggest clients, but they said that Gretzky knew nothing about it and that his wife was the one that did it and she took 100% of the blame to protect her husband's image. Um, I think this is true. Uh with the, I mean, with the Chicago Black Sox, like all the players that uh, that gambled, uh, that 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 threw that series, um, they all, you know, they all cheated and they all knew that they were gambling. They all knew that they did it, and it turned out really bad for them. And other players, we'll get to another one on this list that had some gambling problems. Um, it doesn't look good. It's not a good image. And in one case, which is another conspiracy we'll talk about, the league tried to cover it up. So, to save Wayne Gretzky's image as one of the greatest hockey players of all time, um, his wife just took the fall because for a long-term you know, financial uh, outlook on it, if his wife did it, it's just, you know, it's the spouse of. It's not Wayne Gretzky, the great hockey player that's gambling. It's his wife, and he can just claim he knew nothing about it. And that's exactly what they did. I think Wayne Gretzky obviously knew what was going on. He knew about it. And they got away with it. Um, here's an NFL topic: um, the conspiracy that Spygate, New England, the New England Patriots uh, filming, was covered up. The theory: after the Patriots were busted for filming their opponents' signals and practices, Commissioner Roger Goodell destroyed all the Spygate evidence because New England's cheating program was much larger than the public ever knew. Why it might be true. When the program was uncovered, Goodell asked the Patriots to turn over all their illegal tapes and documents, trusting them to do so, despite there being no reason to trust them. Then, less than two weeks later, Goodell had all the evidence destroyed, explaining his reasoning. In quote, it was the right thing to do. That's pretty vague. Maybe it was an attempt to quickly and tidily move past the fact that the winner of three recent Super Bowl champions had cheated their way to championships. Why it might not be true... To pull off a legit conspiracy, you have to be pretty smart, whereas Goodell is an established moron. <laughs> destroying, destroying the Spygate evidence and continuing to trust the Patriots weren't the actions of a conspirator. They were the actions of someone with a very low IQ. So, you were the commissioner of the NFL, um, so you're not that stupid. Um, 
if it comes out that the team that's been a dynasty the last 20 years and throughout you being the commissioner of the NFL has had multiple cheating scandals and has cheated to multiple championships, not only does it disvalue your Super Bowls being the Patriots, but it disvalues your league being Roger Goodell because cheating wins in your league. And it shows that cheaters have prospered in your league and <clears throat> it's not a good look for the Patriots who are the you know the standard for the NFL. It doesn't look good for Roger Goodell because that stuff's happening right under your nose and you never know. And it doesn't look good for marketing, for television ratings, for stuff like that because if people know that there's cheating going on in their league, in the sport that they love to watch, they will go elsewhere. They will go to college football. They will go to more baseball, more NBA, more hockey. They'll turn away from the NFL, therefore ratings will drop. So instead of just publishing and releasing all this stuff about New England, saying that you know they've cheated more than Spygate, they've cheated more than Deflategate, they've cheated here, they've cheated here, they've cheated here, he just had it all destroyed. I think that's obviously true. Um, that's something that I think Roger Goodell would definitely do to save his image, Bill Belichick's image, and at the time, Tom Brady's image, even if Tom had very little or nothing to do with it. Um, here's a great one. Uh, I actually was looking forward to talking about this one when I saw it on this list. Muhammad Ali and Sonny Liston, this, their second matchup in 1965. So the theory is that Sonny Liston took a dive and was knocked out, quote-unquote knocked out by a phantom punch from Ali, from Ali midway through the first round in their 1965 rematch. Why it might be true. There were rumors that Liston had run up major gambling debts to the Mafia, so he may have bet against himself in the fight and then lost on purpose to make back what he owed. Also, footage of the Ali jab that floored Liston shows that it barely connected. Why it might be false. It was a punch that barely connected, yet it connected, and it was thrown by Muhammad Ali. If the average person took a glancing blow from 1965 Muhammad Ali, they would not only be knocked out, they would be decapitated. So let me say this. Sonny Liston is not an average person. Sonny Liston, Sonny Liston is a boxing legend. He, one of the best heavyweights to fight. Um, him and Ali went toe-to-toe the first fight, and it's a good fight. And the second one, you get knocked out in the first round. And I'm going to refer to the Black Sox a lot because it's, it's the same story here just 40 years later, 50 years later. Um, the Chicago Black Sox, multiple players own, or owed money to gambling sharks. They owed money because they had lost bets. So what the Sharks did in the World Series, the White Sox were a massive favorite to win, like a huge favorite. So when people would, like, you know, other people came and bet with those Sharks for the White Sox to win. So basically what these Sharks did, these people that, you know, these, these gambling, the people you make your bets with and then you have to pay, they told multiple White Sox players, you throw this World Series, your gambling debts are forgiven, you're fine. We will never come after you. You don't owe us a dime. So the Black Sox throw the World Series. And the Sharks made more money off of that than they would have ever made. They made 20, 30, 40 times what they would make if those players that owed them money just paid them what they owed. So not only do you get a debt off of your head, but... The Sharks in the gambling world make so much more money than they would ever make off any series ever because everybody's betting on the White Sox. 
and Sonny Liston having a gambling debt instead of having to pay his debt back. And and I mean and and as, as far as odds, this was a close fight. It wasn't Muhammad Ali being a huge favorite. I don't have the odds in front of me, but I know that that was a close fight. So whichever way you bet, one way or the other, it was pretty close. But most people would bet that Sonny Liston would beat Muhammad Ali because of the first fight, and basically to re- repay his gambling debt. I think Sharks told him the same thing of if you lose this fight to Muhammad Ali in the first round by knockout, you don't owe us a dime. You're fine. You don't owe us a dollar. You're good. And Sonny Liston took that and the phantom punch happened. Um, Do I think that this one is a conspiracy? No. Do I think it's false? No. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. Um... I like this one a lot, too. This one's really, really effed up, but I like this one. Number four on this list, Cal Ripken and the Baltimore power outage. The theory, which I know a lot about historical baseball, so I know this for a fact. This, this, I mean, this had to have been true. The theory, Cal Ripken and his wife have been long friends with the actor Kevin Costner. In August 1997, while Ripken's consecutive game streak was still intact, Costner was staying at their residence. Cal left for the Knights Oriole game, but then came back to the house because he forgot something and walked in on his wife having an affair with Kevin Costner. Ripken then called Orioles owner Pete Angelos to tell him he wouldn't be able to play and that his streak would be over. Angelos knocked out the power to the stadium. Why it might be true. Ripken's streak sold a ton of tickets for the Orioles, and it's not inconceivable that Angelos took drastic measures to keep it alive because the longer the streak goes alive, like, you know, the longer that his active game streak is intact, the more tickets you'll sell, the more butts you get in seats, the more money the owner makes. So if that streak ends, the Orioles weren't a great baseball team. That's, I mean, that's why people went to those games was to see Cal Ripken and if you lose your your streak, which is the longest streak in baseball of the most consecutive games played, you lose the allure of bringing people to the stadium because the, the, there were people that went to the stadium just to see, is this the game that he's not going to play? Am I going to witness history and see his streak snapped? So Angelo shut the power off, caused a power outage, and the game had to be canceled or, you know, you know what I mean, had to, you know, had to be postponed. Uh, why it might be true, like I said, Ripken Streak sold a bunch of tickets. Why it might be false, Kevin Costner, question mark. Unless Miss Ripken, Miss Ripken was has terrible, terrible, terrible taste in movies, there's almost no way she slept with Kevin Costner. Oh, and everyone claims Ripken was at the stadium and in uniform the night the power mysteriously went out. But that's besides the main point, which is, of course, Kevin Costner sucks at acting. Um... I don't. I'm 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 unsure about uh, this conspiracy. It makes sense that uh, if 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 you feared that you were going to lose ticket sales because Kyle Ripken wasn't going to play for any reason at all, that uh, you would go ahead and do everything you could to postpone that game so that Cal could either be at the stadium or be healthy and play. So they postponed it, and Angelos pulled the power, had the power pulled. Um, 
But you could also go on the other side and go, Cal Ripken was there in uniform. There's evidence that he was in the dugout when the power outage went out. So he was there. Was he going to play? I don't know. Was he a scratch? I don't know. Um, This is one of the ones where, do I say it's true? Do I say it's false? Or do I say it's a conspiracy? Because I'm not sure. This one's a conspiracy. The Kevin Costner thing could have definitely happened. Kevin Costner could have been having an affair with, uh, with, with Cal Ripken's wife. And he walked in on it and just basically called the owner and was like, hey, man, I'm not coming tonight. He could have been injured. I mean, he, you know, you're injured. You're still going to, you know, be in uniform and on the du- in, in the dugout on the bench. And the owner just said, you know what, we're not doing this tonight. I'm, I'm not – this is not the – not his, his, his streak ends. He's got a minor injury. He can play tomorrow. And we shut the power. Or you could have honestly lost power, and Cal Ripken was going to play anyway because there's evidence, like I said, that he was in the dugout. And – it's just an accident that happened where it's a power outage. I'm not sure. Um, there's a lot of a lot of evidence and a lot of kind of juicy things here that lead you to think that yeah, that that actually happened. Like what the conspiracy theory says is real, but I don't know if there's enough evidence to really support this one. So I'm gonna say it's a conspiracy. I don't know. Number three on this list from thecauldron.com. Kurt Chil- Kurt Schillings. I can't read. Kurt Schillings and the bloody sock. The theory, pitching against the Yankees in Game 6 of the 2004 American League, Con- American League Conference Series, Red Sox starter Kurt Schilling put ketchup or red paint on the sock covering his injured ankle to give him an excuse if he pitched poorly or make himself a hero if he did well. Why it might be true, I actually remember watching this game. Um, I was 8 years old. I watched it at my grandma's. It was when I was really a big baseball fan. Um, I watched it at my grandma's. And I remember um, I didn't really like either team, but it was just, you know, the American League Conference Series, and it was a great series. And um, there's things that you – there's certain, you know, sports moments that you remember, and I've talked with Aaron on this uh, – about this on the NYMP, and I, I never – I don't bring this one up, but this is one that I definitely remember. I really, really remember watching this baseball game. Um, why it might be true, uh, Schilling so loved attention and sought to self – basically make him a legend – self – mythologize himself at every turn, make him like a, a mythological figure like Hercules or whatever. Um, perhaps the theory isn't so absurd. It gained more traction in 2007 when veteran broadcaster Gary Thorne said Boston catcher Doug Maribelli had admitted that Schilling's sock didn't have blood on it before backing away from the claim. Why it might be false? Have you seen what Kurt Schilling writes on Twitter? He's not smart enough to pull something like this off. It's surprising he's smart enough to pull on socks. Once again, just like the uh, just like the Cal Ripken one, the baseball ones I'm not sure about because was from what I remember about Kurt Schillings is that yeah he you know he he played for the camera he he loved it he loved the attention he wanted to be this like you know b- bigger than you know not bigger than God but close to God figure in Boston. And he did have an injured ankle, and he got put out on the mound. And it wouldn't be far-fetched that a person, if you follow his Twitter, if you've seen some of his tweets I have, a person of his character and a person of the things that he supposedly supports and says would do something like this to not only make themselves look like just a warrior. I'm hurt. I'm bleeding. I'm going to go pitch anyway. But if he pitched bad, if he went out and laid an egg in Game 6, um, you know, you, you have an excuse 
like, dude, I'm bleeding out of my leg over here. I'm giving you everything I got. I'm sorry it's not enough. But if he pitches well, you're a legend. Um, I lean more towards yes, this is true, but I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know. Um, what I was talking about, about gambling earlier, we got another player that would gambled, um, who people call the GOAT, one of the greatest basketball players of all time, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan's secret NBA suspension. The theory. In light of Michael Jordan's six-figure gambling, which may have included bets on NBA games, NBA Commissioner David Stern suspended Jordan for the 93-94 season. But in order to not sully the name of the league's biggest ticket and bring increased scrutiny on the NBA, Stern allowed Jordan to say he was retiring to try baseball. I think this one's true. I'm just going to say it before we even get to it. Uh, why it might be true. Jordan's casino gambling during the previous season's playoffs had drawn attention that Stern did not care for, and sports superstars don't usually quit the game they love at age 30 to try a sport they haven't played since age 12. Why it might be false. Jordan was at the peak of his career and seen as an athlete with no rival. By choosing baseball over his suspension, he was seen as an athlete who could easily be K'd up by double-A pitchers with 84-mile-an-hour fastballs. Which is to say, you can make the case that playing baseball hurt his image more than a suspension would have. If there's any Jordan-related conspiracy, it's that he sold his soul to Satan before his North Carolina career, and then in exchange he had to humiliate himself on the Wizards for two years and grow a mustache, suggesting his support for Hitler. Um... (laughs) So, there's. I'm gonna sit back here. There's more that goes into this one. Um, Jordan's dad died as well, uh, close to when he retired. Maybe I don't, I'm not really sure the exact date. It might have been before. It might have been right after. But his, uh, it was before. And one of his reasons for going to play baseball was because that was his dad's favorite sport, and is what it, he's his dad wanted him to play. Um, there's a theory. There's you know. There's multiple conspiracy theories that. Uh, due to his gambling debts that Jordan were, like refused to pay, that sharks went after his dad and they killed Michael Jordan's dad to make you know a point to him that you know we'll we got your dad we killed him we'll kill you next you need to pay us. Um, like I said, I don't know if that's true. It's just a theory and it's really messed up to, for for people to throw that theory around about someone's dad that that's why they were they died. But that is a theory. Um, I think this one is true. Um, Jordan was seen in casinos a lot in the early 90s, a lot, a lot. And it was public news that he had debts in gambling, a lot. There's video evidence of him at the free throw line making bets about if he makes his free throw, which Kobe also did. Um, there There are stories about whenever the Dream Team played um, that... He would play poker all night, and he would gamble hundreds of thousands of dollars on one hand, like literally on this hand of cards. I bet you a hundred grand. I, I'm gonna win this this hand. So he 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 loved to live on the edge. He loved to gamble, and David Stern and Michael Jordan had helped build the NBA. They made the NBA global. They made the NBA a global sport, and Michael Jordan was the star. Michael Jordan was the guy, and so you have to punish him somehow for gambling and gambling on NBA games, which people believe to be true. So you, instead of, and you can't suspend your biggest star because like Roger Goodell with the New England Patriots, it makes not only your biggest star or your biggest franchise look bad, like look really bad because 
you know, you got a star that's gambling. Who I mean, is he betting against his own team in some games that they lose? Who knows? It makes you look dumb because this is going right underneath your nose being David Stern. So you have to suspend him because that's what you have to do. But if you make it public that you've suspended him, it looks bad. And Michael had expressed that he wanted to play baseball because it's what his dad wanted him to do. So it's perfect timing. Hey, Make a press conference. You're suspended for a, you're suspended for 18 months. Make a press conference. Go play baseball if you want to go play baseball. And they then and David Stern and Michael Jordan agreed. That's what we'll do. I'll go play baseball for the White Sox. I'll 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 be on their minor league team. I'll try and make it in the major league baseball. In major league baseball, I'll try and do the Deion Sanders, uh, Bo Jackson thing, which they were both doing at the same time, both playing in the NFL and in the NBA. I mean, in, in, in the NFL and in the MLB. So why can't Michael Jordan play in the NBA and in the MLB if he makes it in the MLB? So he went and played for 18 months in baseball. It didn't work out. His suspension's over. He comes back to the NBA and wins three more championships. Everything's good. I think that's what happened. Uh, I, I, I do think that – I don't think this is a conspiracy. I don't think it's false. I think this is 100% true. I think David Stern suspended Michael Jordan – but didn't want to look bad and make Jordan look bad. So they both agreed, you know, why don't you go play baseball? Uh, the last one on this list, right with David Stern again. David Stern and the frozen envelope. Aaron knows about this one, and this one has to do with, kind of with Michael Jordan as well, not really, but kind of. The theory, before the 1985 NBA draft lottery, Stern, perhaps along with other top NBA executives, had the envelope containing the Knicks card frozen so Stern would be able to feel it by touch, handing the number one pick, the number one overall pick, and Patrick Ewing to the New York Knicks. So if you've ever seen the video, they got all the cards in the big ball, they roll it, they're doing the lottery, and David Stern picks up multiple cards with his hand and he drops some in there and he's, you know, kind of kind of fiddling around with them. And he gra- he finally grabs the one that you can tell that he wants to grab. And he pulls it out, and it's a New York Knicks pick. And at the time, you knew whoever got that number one pick was drafting the guy from Georgetown, Patrick Ewing. And the Knicks had been not a great franchise for ten years. And you know, in the NBA, when the NBA was starting to, you know, to not look good, was starting to die. All you had was Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. And if a huge star went to a small market, Milwaukee, you know. Um, San Antonio, like, 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 a, like a smaller market, it would not be good for the NBA. You need L.A., Boston, Miami, New York, Dallas. You need big cities to be good for your league to prosper, and New York had not been good for 10 years. So if you give them the best player, by far, what people thought, obviously Michael Jordan was better, but you give them the best college basketball player by far in the draft, they've got to succeed. So there's thought that they rigged that David Stern and the NBA rigged that draft so that the Knicks could get a jump start on their rebuild and get Patrick Ewing. Why it might be true, the the NBA has long wanted the big market Knicks to be good. Stern is a New York native, and the team was in the toilet at the time, and Patrick Ewing was the most desired rookie to come along in years. Plus, Stern has never struck anyone as the most ethical fellow. Why it might be false. If David Stern was in the business of rigging things so the Knicks would be good, he would have had James Dolan and Isaiah Thomas killed years ago. In fact, you have to wonder if there's a conspiracy against the Knicks. I still think this one's true. I think all the all I think all the NBA ones are true. I do. 
Um, I thought that David Stern, you know, he did pass away this year at the very beginning of the year. So this isn't an attack on David Stern. But I did feel like David Stern had a lot of conspiracy around him as he was the commissioner. And he did a fantastic job. Him and Michael Jordan brought the game of basketball to a massive level that without them it would have never reached. So, you know, kudos to David Stern. But I do think that in order to be number one, you have to do some some shady things. And I think they did. And I think that this one is not... You know, I don't think this is an exception either. I think this is a conspiracy that actually that that actually happened. I think it's true. And just go to YouTube and, and type in 1985 NBA draft lottery, and you'll see it. It's very obvious that nope, not this envelope. Nope, not that envelope. Nope, not that one. Here's the one that's cold. Pull it out. Oh, it's the Knicks. Duh. And he wants his team to be good. Um, and I also think that when you have a commissioner of a league that vocally, you know, tells you their favorite team and who they support, that's not good. You should have someone that doesn't have an affiliation and when with a certain team or with a certain area like that, especially not a big area like New York. And when you do that, you put yourself, being the NBA, you put yourself in a position where the commissioner could rig things for their favorite team in their city. And that's what I think happened. But thankfully, in the long run, the Knicks have James Dolan, who's a horrible owner, uh, Isaiah Thomas and the Pistons crushed the Knicks, and the Knicks never won a championship through Patrick Ewing's career. Sad for Patrick Ewing, but I think that that's true. Um, I want to get to my my rugby topic. This one's interesting. Not a rugby fan, but maybe after this, I'll I'll definitely check out some rugby. The 1995. This is from BusinessInsider.com, by the way. The 1995 New Zealand national rugby team was poisoned prior to the World Cup final. Why fans believe it is true. In front of their fans, South Africa defeated the heavily favored New Zealand squad in the final of the 1995 World Cup. Before the match, many members of the New Zealand team came down with food poisoning, and after the game, their coach blamed a mysterious waitress named Susie. Why it is probably not. Like, why it's probably false. One of the team's managers is on record saying Susie was not a real person. Instead, the day before the match and after a big night out that left members of the team feeling not too fit, the team drank what he called dodgy milk. I don't know anything about this conspiracy. I've never heard of it until today. Um, I mean, as far as, I'm going to go back to Michael Jordan in the NBA. Um, there are theories that um, Michael Jordan's flu game, where he dropped 63 points, um, that... It wasn't, it wasn't the flu, it was food poisoning, that he had ordered a pizza the night before and someone knew that it was going to Jordan and they wanted him to obviously to play poorly and bet against him. And so they poisoned his food and gave him food poisoning. There's also a theory that he was super hungover from the night before because he was seen leaving a, uh, a casino at like 3 a.m. before the game, that morning before the game. But there's, you know, there, there's, there's, there's another conspiracy like this that Michael Jordan got poisoned. Um, so don't know if either of them are true, but I, I, I wouldn't put it past. There's countries, soccer, rugby, um, basketball. There's countries that take these World, these World Cups super seriously, like fans and members of national teams that will cheat. And it's been, tr- it, it, it's been proven in a lot of different sports. Um, gymnastics, swimming, diving, cycling, 
it, I mean, it's been proven that these athletes on a national scale will cheat to get an upper edge, and even not even the athletes, but fans. I wouldn't put it past a fan of South Africa to, you know, find the New Zealand national team out the night before, having a meal before they play, and poisoning their food. Or even someone at a restaurant that is a huge South Africa rugby fan going, I know these guys and they're not beating us tomorrow. Even though they're heavily favored and they're going to win, I'm not letting them beat us. So you poison their food and then they play like crap because there's literally crap coming out of their other side because they're so sick. Um, like I said, though, I don't know. It could be it could be they went out and had way too much fun and got way too wasted the night before, which I don't know why you would do that. And they played bad because of it and they were all hungover. And, I mean, this says right here that um, one of the team's managers says that Susie was not a real person, that they drank something called Dodgy's, like Dodgy Milk and got super sick. So I... I lean more towards the side that it's not true, but I don't know. It's a conspiracy. It's one that I can't answer. Um, another one on this list from businessinsider.com is that Pete Rose had a secret agreement to be reinstated to baseball after a lifetime ban. Why fans believe it is true. Pete Rose has long acted as though his lifetime ban for gambling on baseball games was never supposed to be a lifetime ban and that, would event- and that he would eventually be reinstated. However, then-commissioner Bart Giamatti died just eight days after the suspension was handed down, and many fans believe his promise to Rose died with him. Why it is probably not true. Giamatti was replaced by his close friend, Faye Vincent. If it was the wish of Giamatti to reinstate Rose eventually, it is likely Vincent would have known and would have honored his friend's desire. Um, I'll just say this, uh, just straight up, I don't think that this is true. Um, I don't think this is a conspiracy at all. I think this is false. Um, I think Pete Rose has a lifetime ban from baseball for gambling. Um, he gambled on his own team to win, but which I don't see anything wrong with that. You're betting on yourself. But gambling on sports was illegal back then, and it was you know obviously illegal for a player to do it, even more so than anybody else. But I think that Pete Rose figured that eventually, as gambling became more of the norm, which it is now, that he would be reinstated and be inducted into the Hall of Fame. What I think is going to happen is that, yes, his ban will get lifted after he dies. I think once he dies, once Pete Rose passes away, that he will be reinstated into baseball and will be elected into the Hall of Fame following that, even though he's been retired for too long and he actually can't be inducted in the Hall of Fame. I think he will anyway. I think they'll find a way to do that. And I think it's just one of those things where, well, while you're alive, we're not. You, since you did something that was illegal against our sport and is illegal in general at the time, we're not going to give you the privilege and the honor of seeing yourself be inducted in the Hall of Fame. We'll wait till you die. Kind of like what the NFL did with Kenny Stabler for the uh, the Oakland Raiders, the quarterback for great coach John Madden. Um, he was kind of a partier. His nickname was Kenny the Snake Stabler. He was kind of a partier, a wild guy. The NFL did not like him because of his his style, because of his morals and the way he was. And he did not. it took forever for him to get inducted in the Hall of Fame. He was inducted the year after he died. And I think that was just a message like, you know, we're not inducting, we're not inducting you into our Hall of Fame while you're alive because of the way that you are, because of what you did. And we'll wait till you die to do it. Um... I don't think Pete Rose had a secret secret agreement to be reinstated. I think 
he was given a lifetime ban and once he dies that lifetime ban is is lifted because he's not alive anymore and then he will be inducted in the hall of fame after that um i want to get to the nhl draft uh the 2005 nhl draft was rigged so that the pittsburgh penguins could draft Sidney crosby to save the troubled franchise why fans believe it is true Shortly after the Penguins escaped bankruptcy, they were still in trouble as a franchise and threatened to move to Kansas City. The team then won the 2005 NHL lottery rights, or lottery for the rights to draft the wonder kind Sidney Crosby. And shortly afterward, an agreement was placed in was in place to build a new arena. Why it is un, why it's probably false. The Penguins were one of four clubs tied with the best chance of winning the lottery. One of the other teams was the New York Rangers. While Crosby may have saved the Rangers. It arguably would have been better for the league if he ended up with the Rangers, one of the worst teams in the league at the time. I'm not a huge hockey like guy, so I can't really tell you what I think about like, if this one's true or false. Um, and once again, go to YouTube, watch the 2005 NHL draft. Um, it's just interesting. It's it's different. It's not like other drafts. And even even with the eighty five draft in the NBA, you can feel as you're watching it that something's off. Something's not right. And you see the same thing in the two thousand five draft. Something's not right here. And whoever drafted Sidney Crosby was going to immediately be flipped. They're going to be from one of the worst to one of the first, from worst to first. And the Penguins did their first year with Sidney Crosby, but. Um, and even with hockey, hockey is a game where you can draft, you can get one exceptional player on your team because there's only a certain number, there's, there's a fewer number of people on the ring, the rink, I can't talk, at a time. One player has a bigger impact, just like in the NBA. One basketball player, one guy can make a massive impact on your entire team because there's only five guys on the court. So whoever gets Sidney Crosby, if he plays the way he's supposed to play, which he did, it'll turn their franchise around forever. And, you know, there's the theory that the Pittsburgh that, that the NHL rigged the the, uh, the lottery so the Pittsburgh Penguins could draft Crosby. Um, I don't know enough about this topic, I'm going to be honest with you. I have no clue. So I don't know if it's a conspiracy or not. Um, I'd like to think that it's not. I'd like to think one of these leagues are wholesome. <laughs> but I, I don't know. And the last one I want to talk about, The NBA rigged the NBA draft for the Cleveland Cavaliers after LeBron James signed with the Miami Heat. Why fans believe it is true. Fans believe the NBA rigged the draft lottery to help the Cleveland Cavaliers after LeBron James took his talents to South Beach and the Cavs received nothing in return. The Cavs won the draft lottery, won the number one pick, in 2011, and then again in 2013, and then again in 2014, and picked Kyrie Irving. Why it is possibly false. The Cavs were not an especially long shot to win the lottery. Only the Minnesota Timberwolves had a better chance to win the lottery, and even they had a 75% chance of not winning. The fact is the NBA's lottery is designed to make it unlikely that the worst team gets the top pick. Um, I do think after the best player in the NBA leaves a franchise, um, you know that that franchise, the only player that that franchise has, you know that they're going to be in the tank. And when a mid Midwestern team that kind of, you know, kind of controls that area, the Indiana Pacers at the time were not very good. Uh, the Chicago Bulls were not very good. They had, you know, they, they got Derrick Rose, but they weren't going to beat 
Miami in the playoffs. Um, you had to have competitive basketball in the Midwest. And for that to happen, you had to have the Cleveland Cavaliers get better quick. And losing LeBron James is not a it's it's not a gut punch, it's a shot to the heart. And so you have to replace him. There are many people that believe that the NBA looked at these drafts and said, Well, you know, this is a top heavy, you know, this this is this this number this guy that could go number one's amazing, being Kyrie Irving. We need to make sure Cleveland gets him. And then thirteen and fourteen, we'll do it again because obviously Kyrie by himself is not doing enough for Cleveland. They still lose. Let's get him another guy. And then the Cavs butchered those two picks. But um, I just, I believe, (laughs) based on what the NBA has done before, I do believe that the NBA rigged uh, the 2011, 2013, and 2014 draft for the Cleveland Cavaliers, trying to make up to Cleveland for losing LeBron James because no one thought that he was going to leave Cleveland. It's his hometown. You know, no one thought that was ever going to happen. So they're trying to help, you know, kind of help a, a trying to help a franchise that if they're not good, if they die, it's a franchise that you might have to move. And you don't ever want to move a team, especially one out of Cleveland, because Cleveland does have a good fan base and they do have people that are willing to go to their games and they can make money. It's a franchise that can make money. And like I said, you feel like you owe it to the Cavaliers now because the best dude in the league left your team and you got nothing in return. So I think that one's true. So I don't know. I just thought this would be, you know, a, a different style. Um, just kind of reading from, a, you know, a list of multiple conspiracies. I mean, we got the NBA in the 2002 Western Conference Finals, um, Michael Jordan multiple times, the 85 draft the Cavaliers draft. I talked about Michael Jordan's gambling. Um, we hit the NFL and Spygate. Um, we hit NHL with the Phoenix Coyotes and Wayne Gretzky with the 2005 draft and Sidney Crosby. Um, he even hit rugby, 1995 New Zealand team. And then, of course, baseball. Kurt Schilling, Cal Ripken, and the great Muhammad Ali made an appearance in this episode too. Um just haven't really talked, you know, I've, if, if you watch the KSO, you know, I love sports, all sports, um, sports conspiracies are extremely interesting to me. I think they're some of the best conspiracies out there and, you know, you know, I, I don't get to talk about them enough. So I figured the episode I didn't have Jacob, I would take that opportunity to talk about as many sports conspiracies that I, as I could tell you if I think they're true or not true, give a little bit of insight on them. And, um, I thought this was fun. This was a good episode. I enjoyed this. Um, go to uh, go to patreon.com uh, slash NYNP. Join our Patreon. Uh, you can follow me on Snapchat, KylerDurham21. Message me. Add me and message me. What sports conspiracy that I listed here do you think is true? Which ones do you think are false? What is another sports conspiracy that I didn't talk about that you wanted to hear me talk about? Um, maybe in Season 5, I will talk about the, the Chicago Black Sox. That could be. I could talk about that for forty-five minutes. Oh, this is season five. No, it's not. This is season four, the revisit tour. You're a liar. Um, (laughs) Anyway, Aaron's telling me this is season five. (laughs) Am I wrong? Yeah, I've been wrong a lot, so who knows? Um, (laughs) It's okay. It's all good. Um, So yeah, um, I just thought this would be an interesting and an interesting episode and an opportunity that I'm probably not going to get 
to discuss sports in a conspiracy platform like this. We've only done it once. So I figured I would hit it again, hit as many topics as I could, as many sports conspiracies as I could. And I hope, you know, the the people that listen to this conspiracy that are sports fans, um, I hope you enjoyed this. The people that aren't sports fans that listen to the entirety of this, I hope that you go, huh, let me go, you know, you just love conspiracies. Let me go check that one out. Let me go look at the 1985 NBA draft on YouTube. Let me go watch the 2005 uh, NHL draft. Uh, let me look up the Michael Jordan stuff. Did Michael Jordan get suspended for gambling? Or did he actually leave for baseball? Let me go watch a fight from 19, a boxing match from 1965. Um, I just hope I, you know, open some of y'all's eyes to, to show you that these sports leagues are not honest with you. Uh, these players aren't honest with you. These coaches, these owners, these general managers, they all cheat. They all cheat. And it's up to you to find it, to catch it, and to find out if it's true or false, to find out if they actually cheated or they just some circumstances. They're, they're a victim of their circumstances. So uh, go listen to the NYNP, uh, Apple Podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud. Go listen to the KSO. comes out every Saturday. It's my sports podcast. I give my opinion about the NFL. I predict some games. I talk about the NBA Finals. Um, it's really it for me. Um, Aaron and I have these chips. If you are an audio listener, how do you pronounce this? Pocky. We got these Pocky One Chip Challenges. We are uh, going to make a video very soon with these. It is a Carolina a Carolina Reaper and Szechuan Heat. Um, this is hell in a box. So if you want to see Aaron and I cry while we eat super hot chips, go to uh, iFilm uh, I Cinema Production YouTube page. There will be a video up soon with that on there. And I think that's it. Uh, thank you all for listening. Jacob will be back for episode 5. And I will see you next Wednesday.